Thanks, Daniel. Well, my name is Ron Cool. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's a joy to welcome all of you here, especially the Hop family and so on for this baptism. We're excited about that, um, and, and we're just glad that all of you are here. We are finishing up this morning a sermon series uh, in which we've been looking at corporate worship, at what we're doing during this time together. Uh, we spent the last seven weeks talking about what happens during this time and, and why are we trying to do what we do and what are we trying to experience, what are we trying to accomplish, what are we trying to learn. Part of what we've said is that worship is, is maybe best understood as a dialogue. As a, we, we believe that God genuinely gathers here with us. He's with us all the time, but that when we come together in God's presence, that he is here with us and, and God speaks to us. And we speak to God, and we speak to each other. We encourage each other. Uh, and, 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 and so there's this dialogue going back and forth. Daniel opened with a call to worship. God speaks through that, and, and we respond, and we say, God, open up the heavens. Come and, and be with us. And then we bring our needs before God. And, and, and so there's that going back and forth. And we started for the first four weeks of this, taking a look at what are some of the things that, that we say to God in worship, right? What are some of the things? We said, well, we give praise to God in worship. We say, God, you're awesome. God, you're fantastic. We confess our sins to God. We say, God, we're sorry for what we've done. We've failed you. We've blown it, and we need your grace. We bring our needs before God. We pray for the sick. We pray for the world. We pray for peace. We pray for justice. We bring our needs before God, and then we offer our lives to God as well. We say, God, take my life and let it be, all right? And so we, we, we speak to God. And then a couple of, last week, we actually started talking about, well, what are some of the ways God speaks to us in worship, right? What, what are some of the ways that God communicates to us? And, and we started last week talking about most clearly God speaks to us through, through his word, through the Bible. Whether it's quoted, whether it's read, whether it's paraphrased, God speaks to us most clearly through the word. And then we talked a little bit about how God speaks to us through a sermon, that, that a sermon based on God's word, that when a pastor brings a sermon out of God's word, it is God speaking as well. And so we, we think about that God speaks that way to us. This morning we're going to talk about one more thing that's actually two, okay? And we're going to say but God speaks to us in a special way through the sacraments, through what we call the sacraments. Now these are things that churches, um, while we agree on a lot of stuff, this is one where we have to be gracious with each other because we don't always understand these things in exactly the same way. But part of what we say, part of what we say is that when we come to the table of our Lord, when we take communion, we'll do that toward the end of the service. When we eat the bread, drink the cup, God is speaking to us. When we come to the table and when, when Caleb comes to the table and when I put some of this water on his forehead and it rolls down his face and so on, that, that God is speaking to us, that, that in these two things, God is speaking to us. The, the two sacraments that we recognize here are baptism, both for children and adults, and, and, and the Lord's Supper, all right, communion. And, and, and again, what we believe here is that in both of these places, in both of these activities, God is the primary speaker, okay? God is the primary actor. God is the one who is saying something to us, and we'll talk about what in a minute. But in baptism, God is the one who's talking to us primarily. Now, we have a part in this little drama that we do here, okay? We have a response, and, and there are things we say as well. In some ways, what happens in either of the sacraments is a microcosm. It's the whole service packed up into one little part, okay? And so God is the main actor. God is the main speaker, but we have our response as well. So let's think about this. What we'll do is we'll think about what, what, what's happening when we do baptism, what's happening when we do the Lord's Supper, when we celebrate a sacrament, 
And, and, and then we'll think about, okay, how do we receive this? How do we sit in a worship service that we might experience God's grace through this, okay? And then, then we'll do them, okay? After this sermon, we'll do baptism, we'll do the Lord's Supper, and we'll listen for God's voice. So first question, what happens? What's going on? What is happening when we celebrate a sacrament, when we do, whether it's baptism or whether it's the Lord's Supper? What is happening? And, and the first thing I want to suggest is that God is speaking, and not just in words, but in actions, Okay, not just through words, it's not just verbal, but it's through stuff. It's through common everyday stuff, like water, okay? It's through common everyday stuff, like bread, like juice, that God speaks to us in this way. And one of the ways the church has understood these sacraments is, is, is to talk about them as, as in this way, to say that they are, they're God's visible way to express his invisible grace and love. Okay, God's visible way. What we see here is not just God saying, I love you. He says that, but here he wants us to feel it. He wants us to taste it. He wants us to see it. He wants us to know it. It, it takes on tangible forms. One of the problems with love is, is, is that it's not tangible, right? You can't see love. You can't give somebody a bucket of love, right? You can see the actions of love, but you can't see love itself. That's why a young husband is wise to learn. That it is very smart to say, I love you, honey, a lot. But it's also very smart sometimes to say, and I give you these flowers, and I give you this hug, or I give you this kiss, or I give you this chocolate, or whatever it is, right? Because somehow, we, 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 it's, it's really good to hear the words, but when we see something, when, when I wear a wedding ring, when... when when I experience that, this reminds me of a commitment that was made, that I am not alone. And so it's not just saying you love somebody. It's, it's, it's doing something. It's giving them something to feel. It's giving them something to hold on to. And in these sacraments, God gives us something to, to see, to touch, to feel. And, and he communicates his love to us in a really deep and, and in a powerful way. That God speaks to us, not just in words, but in actions. And his grace, his love. You know, I, I, again, I, I can hear, and I'm picking on young guys because that's just who tends to blow it most often. But, you know, young guys saying, honey, I told you I loved you, and why do you need flowers? That's just a waste of money. They're going to die. Oh, is that stupid? Okay, don't do that. But right, you say that, right? Because in your mind, that's... But it's like you don't understand that you are communicating something deeper. You are communicating by that act. You are, that's what God wants to say to us. He knows how we are. He knows that we are insecure. He knows that we need something that we can not just hear, but that we can see, that we can taste, that we can touch. And so he gives us these gifts. And, 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 and they remind us of God's presence, but... And, and we got to be a little careful with this one, okay, this next one. But, but in these things, the, the sacraments don't just express. They don't just speak God's grace. They actually somehow, in a mysterious way, they bring God's grace to us. They bring God's grace to us. And, 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 and again, let me just... So that when, when Caleb is baptized, there, he experiences God's grace, even though he can't even... Think about it right now because he's young. He's an infant. He's a baby. When we take this, we taste and we, we get some of God's grace in us that somehow God has promised to meet us in these things. And, and, and that's why we take this and call these holy moments or sacraments, right? Because God not only says I love you, but, 
but he gives us some grace. He gives us some of that. Now, one of the reasons we've got to be careful with that <laughs> is, is because if we start to push that to a crazy place, then this becomes magic. And it's like, I should get baptized about once a month because I need a lot of grace. And I should take communion every day or maybe twice a day, right? If every time I take communion, I get more grace, then why don't we do it six times a day? No, that's, it, that's the wrong understanding of it. It's not like that. But somehow we've got to be between those two things. It's not like magic. That, that, oh, now that you've been baptized, you're saved. And now that you've been, no, but it is somehow I experience God in a deeper way. Think, thinking about, again, I get a hug, okay? When you hug somebody, whether you're married to them, whether it's a child, you're not just saying, I love you. That actually deepens the love, right? That's why if you stop hugging, if you stop holding hands, that, then that actually decreases, right? You just automatically experience some separation. And, and, and so that's, that's the way it is, that somehow in this, God also brings his grace to us. And, and, and so, you know, it, when I remember that well, when I have that sense of expectation, then I come to a service where we have baptism, and it's like, oh, God, I'm going to be reminded that I have been washed in the blood of Jesus in a fantastic way. All right? So... <laughs> We, they're visible ways of God expressing his invisible grace and love. And, and, and they also bring God's grace to us. And the third thing is, is that we're called by Jesus to celebrate these things. We're called to celebrate baptism and communion by Jesus himself. Okay, let me just show you this. Matthew 28. These are the last words that Jesus speaks to his disciples before he ascends into heaven. And, and, and he says this to them. He says, therefore go. And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them into the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to do in in, in just a few minutes. And then teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Jesus says, when you go, as as you go, keep baptizing. All right, baptize those who are part of the community. Baptize them as a mark that they belong to me. Give them the sign of my promise. Just as circumcision was the sign of of belonging to God in the Old Testament, so too in baptism, give them the sign of that promise, okay? And and, and then again, the words of Jesus in Luke 22, verse 19, and and he does this with the, the cup as well, but Jesus is there with his disciples on the night when he's betrayed, and he takes bread and he breaks it. And, and he gives it to them. This is what he, happens. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is for you, given for you. Do this. Do this. Not just once, but do this over and over and over again. Baptism is a one-time thing. But the Lord's Supper, do this in remembrance of me. Do this. Jesus commands us. He calls us to be involved in this. And so we do baptism every other month. We do the Lord's Supper every other month. Because we're trying to honor that. And again, we don't all get baptized, but we all remember baptism. We'll talk about that more in a minute. All right. So we're called to celebrate these by Jesus. That's the first thing I think we need to understand, that in these things, God is speaking to us, not just in words, but in actions. He's giving us something to taste, something to smell, something to feel, something to hold on to, something to see in the waters of baptism. So what does God say? Well, what is God saying through these sacraments? I want to suggest that there are four things. And, and you say, well, it's a lot to remember. Uh, it's really going to be easy because they have to do it. The first one is about our past. The second is about our present. The third is about our future. And the fourth is about us together, okay? 
So four things that, that God says to us, that, that as we come to this table, we call to mind, we experience, we taste. The first thing, the first thing God says to us is this, that, that, that your sins are washed away. Your sins are washed away in the blood of Jesus. One of the most important things the Bible teaches us is that we are all sinners. We are all people who are dead in our sins, that we have lost it, and we can't pay for our sins ourselves, and our only hope is the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says you are forgiven in the blood of Jesus. Ephesians 1, 7 and 8. Ephesians 1, 7 and 8. In him we have redemption through his blood, Jesus' blood. What is that? It's the forgiveness of our sins. The forgiveness of our sins in accordance with, it, with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. And, and so part of what God says to us is, is, I wash away your sins. And again, baptism does this so well, right? As, as we think about water, we mention it every time we do a baptism. What does water do? We wash, right? We, we get rid of the dirt. You, you take a shower. You've been out. You've been stinky. You've been smelly. You've got all this junk on you. I remember growing up and... and, and uh, in the summer, we'd help our neighbor as little as possible, but we had to sometimes. But, but he would bale hay. In those days, they didn't just shoot the hay into the tractor. They shot it on, and we had to go and lift it up. And you'd start, and, and you'd start by grabbing these bales of hay, and you could pick it up, and you could hold it away from you because it's sticky. You know, it's got all this prickly stuff, and then you throw it on. But after about 15 minutes, you're grabbing it, and you're just holding it, and, you're, and, and man, you do that for four hours, and you say, I'm going to college. Now, and <laughs> you're there for four hours, and you just stink, and it's dirty, and it's smelly. And, and more than anything else, you say, I want to get washed. Th- that's what the blood of Jesus does. As I look at the way I treat people, as I look at the brokenness in my life, as I look at my sin, it sticks to me, and, it, and I just need to get washed. And when we see this, if you have been baptized... When we see this, if you've been baptized and you see that water go on, on Caleb's head, remember that you have been washed. Now, again, we've got to be careful. This doesn't mean that Caleb, all his sins are forgiven forever. What, what we believe with an infant is God is making this as a promise, and Caleb has to receive that promise, right? He has to grow up and then say, God, I accept that gift. I want, I, I want you to wash away my sins. I want you to know that. And, and, and so it's, it's, it's still waiting for a response. God speaks the first word. But God is, is still, we're still waiting for a response. At the table again, it's, it's, it's very clear. Jesus, you know, he said when he raised the cup, when he raised the cup, he said, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Right, Jesus said, this is my blood. And so when you take that cup, Jesus is saying, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. And, and, and it's okay. You are loved and you are accepted. And when you taste that, I want you to just feel that. As it goes down your throat, as the bread goes down your throat, just let that be just washing away. Let it be just that saying, God, you forgive me. That is so Amazing. Your sins are forgiven and they're washed away in the blood of Jesus. God takes care of our past, right? He washes away all of our sins. But, but there's more. He, he's with us today. God is saying to us, you are not alone. I am with you right now. God says, it's not just that I'm going to forgive you in the past and someday I'm going to come back and make everything new. But every day of your lives, no matter what you're going through, I am there with you you 
And, and, and there are two parts of that. One is that God is, is just with us today to carry us, to strengthen us. The Apostle Paul in Romans 8 puts it this way. He says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation. Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I am with you, God says. And, and, and we experience that again. God is with us today. And, and again, in, in, in this, in, in a sense, what this water is like, is it's, it's like a tattoo. Now, don't worry, we're not going to tattoo your baby. But... but you know, I mean, if you think about, like, getting a tattoo that says, I'm part of this gang, I'm part of this group, in a sense, what God is saying to Caleb here is, I'm marking you. You belong to me, and I will walk through life with you. I will be there for you. I am claiming you. Again, Caleb's going to have to accept that claim. He's going to have to respond to that. But, but God marks him, and to think about that, when you feel alone, if you have experienced the waters of baptism, to say, you know, God, remind me, remind me that you have marked me, that you have claimed me, that you have put an, an invisible mark that God himself can see. In some ways, that's what baptism does. It's an invisible mark that, that God can see. And, and he's with us today. Uh, again, at this table, Jesus feeds us. He, he, he feeds us with, with new life. He, he, he sits down, and we sit down at the table of the king, one of the people prayed before worship. One of the one of the people in worship prayed, you know, God, as we sit down at your table, as we sit down with you, that at this table, Jesus says, You are not alone. So God is with us, but, but God is also with us working in us, okay? That that God is shaping us, that God is molding us, that God is teaching us and helping us to become new. We, again, at the table, let me start here this time. At the table, God is teaching us to come new because he's reminding us that we need to die and rise again. We need to die to our old nature. And so we see that body broken. We see that bread broken. We see that body torn apart. We say, God, I need to be broken. I need to die. I need to die so that I can live with Jesus, so that you can live in me. And so God is saying, I will do that. I will do that. I will help you die. As you come to this table, I will help you put to death your old nature so that your new nature in Christ may live again. Baptism is, is a powerful, beautiful picture of it. This is one of those places where uh, it would be really nice to do immersion because that's better for the, the image. But uh, the hops don't like to have fun. They didn't want me to put the whole baby under. Although the Eastern Orthodox Church has done that, never lost one in 2,000 years. But anyway, I had a priest tell me that once. Uh, <laughs> But when we talk about baptism, every time, I think, when we talk about baptism, we talk about water being death. That water represents death. And part of what we say is Caleb needs to learn to die. He needs to learn to die so that Christ may live in him. Look at how Paul says this in Romans 6. In in Romans 6, at verse 4, Paul says, We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. We were buried in our baptism. So when you see Caleb being baptized, say, God, bury my old nature. God, I need to die. Buried with him through baptism into death in order that. Why? So that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. The Christian life is dying and letting God raise us. 
It's dying to my, my own desires. It's dying to my pride. It's dying to my anger. It's dying to all of this so that Christ can raise me. And these waters of baptism, it, I go down and I, and I say, God, I need to die. And help me to die a little more today. Okay? And so God is saying to us, look, I'm working on you. I am shaping you. I am putting your old nature to death. So, again, your sins are forgiven in the past. God is with us today. And that's really great. It really is. I mean, just right there to know that God is with me right now. That all my sins are forgiven. That God, no matter where I am, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what illness I'm facing, God is with me right now. But no matter how good that is, no matter how much joy we have at the celebration of a baptism of a baby, no matter how good that is, things are still not the way they're supposed to be. Things are still not the way they're supposed to be. So in in a sense, every time we do one of these sacraments, we're also looking forward. We're looking forward to that time when God says to us, it's time because the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. And so with each one of these things, what part of what God is saying is look forward, look forward. And we look forward to a day where there's no more pain and no more death. Revelation 21 verse 4 says this, he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Okay, someday, someday, the old order of things, someday that is going to change. And, and how do these sacraments make that clear? Let me talk, I, I was struggling with this one, honestly, about baptism. To say, how does baptism look forward? I can, I can see clearly the, the water washing, right? I can see the belonging. I can see the, the dying and the rising. You know, in a sense, the, the, I think what, what this pushes us forward to is, is tied into this part of, of, of Revelation, that, that there's no more death. You see, in a sense, every time we do a baptism, part of what I, I want you to think, what I want to think, is, God, I can't wait for the day when we don't need to do this anymore. <laughs> I can't wait for the day when we don't need to die anymore. I can't wait for the day when we don't need to go under the water. I can't wait for the day when I am washed, when I am completely clean, when I am brand new. We talked last week, just read last week, 1 Corinthians 15, about the imperishable. We talked about our sinful bodies that the imperishable must be put off and the, or excuse me, the perishable must be put off and the imperishable be put on, right? And, and someday that's going to happen when Jesus comes back. And guess what, friends? We ain't going to need no more water to wash. I think that's why Revelation 21.1, interesting, it says there's no more sea because the sea is death. And, and, and so there's no more death. And in a sense, God, we can't wait for the day when we don't need to get washed anymore. We're going to be able to pick up those hay bales and flick them onto that trailer without getting dirty, right? When I'm going to be able to love my wife without sinning, when I'm going to be able to love my kids without sinning, I'm going to be able to love all of you without sinning, and I'm not going to need to be reminded that I need to get washed. I will be completely changed. The mortal will have put on immortality. The perishable will have put on the imperishable. And, and, And so we're pushed forward that way. What about at the table? How do we look forward at the table, um, Jesus, again, when he's giving the, the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, to his disciples, he gives them the cup, and, and then he says these words. He says, I tell you, I will not drink again from this cup. I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Interesting, isn't it? Jesus says, okay, drink this. Now you keep doing this 
but I won't do it again until we all get together again. I'm going to do this. So every time we do this, we say, God, we're not home yet. Every time we do this, we say things aren't right yet, but we're looking forward to when they are. And one of the best pictures in the Bible of what that day is going to be like is that it is going to be a great feast. It is going to be an amazing celebration. Again, to the book of Revelation 19, verse 9. And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. When Jesus comes back, he is going to marry his bride, the church, and there is going to be a party. And it ain't going to be bread and and, and welches. It is going to be, Isaiah says this, On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, and the finest of wines. Friends, it's going to be filet mignon. It's going to be red meat that does not clog your arteries. It is going to be the best of everything. And it's going to be the best wine. And it's going to be absolutely. And so when we do this, it's a foretaste. And, 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 and we're saying, you know what? God, it's good that you're with me. I'm so thankful you've forgiven my sins. But, but I can't wait for that day. I can't wait for that day. So I hope that, that makes some sense. Those three, right? The past is forgiven. God is with me today. And someday, whenever we do these things, the, the, the fourth thing that, that God is saying is, you're a family, okay? You are a family. Ephesians 4, verse 3, make every effort, Paul says, to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And then he says this, you know what? There's only one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. There is not a white baptism and a black baptism. There is not a rich baptism and a poor baptism. There is not an educated baptism and an uneducated baptism. There is one baptism. And the only way to get to Jesus, the only way to get to God is through the blood of Jesus, is to go through the water. The water doesn't save us. But friends, there's only one water to go through. <laughs> and, and, and you didn't, you know... You didn't have to go through one water, and, and the worst sinner had to go through more water. We all stand in the same place, and we're, there's only one baptism, friends. Caleb is the same baptism as me. He's the same baptism as, as thousands and millions of people from Africa and Asia and Russia and Romania and so many different places. There's just one baptism, and, and again, Jesus, when he was talking about, or no, excuse me, Paul in 1 Corinthians, when he was talking to the church there and calling them to unity, he says, you know what? Because there's one loaf. I know we actually buy more than one for a Sunday, but there's one loaf. We all participate in that. We who are many are one body, for we all share one loaf. Again, there's not communion for some, one, one set of bread for the white folks, one for the black folks, one for the rich, one for the poor, one for the educated, one for the uneducated. Friends, when we come to this table, we all come at the same height. We all come on our knees. We all come in need. When we come to the baptismal font, we all come in our weakness. And there's only one baptism, and there's only one table of our Lord. So you are a family, all right? So those four things, all right? God says, I'm forgiving your sins. I'm with you today. Someday I'm coming back, and you're a family. In the sacraments, God says those four things. What do we say? In the sacraments, we say four things, and I'll do these fairly quickly, but because they, they, they flow out of what we've been talking about. The first thing we say is we can't make it on our own. This is our part in the drama. 
And, and, and you'll see, we're going to sing a song saying, God, we need you. God, we need you. We can't make it on our own. None of us, none of us can make it on our own, and we express our need. That's why when we invite people to come to the table, if you're visiting with us, we ask you to think about three questions. The first one is, do you know you're a sinner? Do you know you don't deserve to come to God's grace? We can't make it on our own. The second thing, God, we say, God, we put our lives in your hands. We trust you, and we obey you. And, and that's actually the next two questions. Have we put our trust in Jesus Christ? And is it our desire, even though none of us do it perfectly, but is it our desire? Is it our desire to follow Jesus? And so when we take this, we're saying, God, I know it. I, I can't do this on my own. And I am committed to trusting you, and I am committed to obeying you. We say we are family. This is why Paul gets real upset about saying some of you are treating each other like dirt and then taking communion. Dude, that's dangerous. This is one loaf. This is one, ta- one, one font and one baptism. And, 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 and we're saying, you know what? I may not like everybody in this church. I may not like everybody, not, not like everybody, but I got to learn to love them. And I got to be working on it. Because at the end of the day, they're created in God's image. And there's only one baptism and there's only one table. We are family. And then we also say thank you. We say thank you. That's why this is called the Eucharist meal. Some churches, it's the Eucharist. That's the Greek word for thank you. All right? So how do we do this? How do we participate in the sacraments? Again, just these things flow out of what we've been talking about, I hope, so it'll make sense. I think, again, with with a sense of our need, with a sense of our need. That's why we often try to, um, before we have communion, let you know the week before so that you can do some examination to remember, God, I need you. I'm broken. Now, one of the dangers is some of us were raised in churches where this was the only thing we were supposed to come with. <laughs> that all we, you know, and, and, and we got so caught up in making sure of our need that we never experienced grace. But we do have a sense of that need. A sense of, God, I can't make it on my own. And, and as we look at, even again, the baby, the baptism, Caleb, as he comes here, say, God, that's how I come. Excuse me. <coughs> with a sense of need, with a sense of expectation. God, you're going to speak to us. God, you're going to come and meet with us. And I am going to experience your grace. I'm going to experience that you're present with me. And God, I'm going to have a, a little foretaste of that banquet what it's going to be like one day with, with a sense of expectation, with joy and gratitude because this, friends, is amazing grace. With joy and gratitude, with a genuine desire to live the life Jesus gave us and gives us. And then, again, remembering that we are in this together. And, and so we're going, to, we're going to come into God's presence in, in, in the way of the sacraments. We're going to listen to God speak to us. And, and we're going to sing, and we're going to listen, and we're going to taste, and we're going to watch. And I want you to hear God say, I forgive all your sins. I am with you. I'm coming back. And be a family. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you know that we're kind of slow. That it should be enough that you say to us that you forgive us. It should be enough that you say to us that you love us, that you claim us. Well, Father, thanks for giving us. Thanks for giving us right now these symbols, these sacraments, these gifts, these seals 
that, that as we're going to be able to watch this water go onto Caleb's forehead, we're going to be able to experience and remember, even if we can't remember our own baptism, but remember that we have been washed. Remember that you have claimed us. Remember that we are marked. And if we've never been that, Lord, maybe today we say, I want that. I want you to, to wash me, God. I want to know that. God, help us to know that. Help us to hear that you forgive us. Help us to remember that you're with us, that you'll be there for us. And, and, and Father, help us receive with grace these amazing gifts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.